Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your alternate Monday? Uh, fantastic. It's actually pretty good. We we're getting cold. We're, we're our weather report, everybody across the world. It's cold here in in the northern hemisphere. Man, I am je- always jealous of uh, people who own like summer or winter homes in Australia or something like that. New, Ze- New Zealand. Mm. That's actually the best, right? If you're a listener in New Zealand, I I love your country. I've never been there, but someday I hope to to you know be there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I am um, hopefully within the next few weeks going to be moving myself not to New Zealand, but somewhere where it is not quite so cold. It's down to freezing temps up here. And if you know anything about campers um, or <laughs> or plumbing in general, is that you don't want to expose plumbing to sub-freezing temperatures because pipes yeah. are made of materials that will break when exposed to the pressure of expanding frozen water, especially newer piping, which is a plastic material called PEX. Uh, all of oh. that to say that I am in my camper still, but with uh, no water. Water, you know, I've uh, blown all the water out of the pipes so that they don't freeze. And uh, Oh, yikes. And that means Didn't think of that really. I have no water out here, yeah. so I have to go in the house to use the bathroom and stuff like that. Um, the Others. reason the reason I'm still doing that is because my Jeep, my tow vehicle, was in the shop. Um, oh yeah, had a. Do they had, have like do they have like you know, heaters or something on like? Are, do the fancy ones have like super heaters on the pipes or anything? Or is, uh, yeah, is yeah. Just, if, is that a thing that everybody has to deal with? No, no. If you get if you get nicer, more expensive campers, um, they have what they call an enclosed underbelly that just means there's another layer of of um i don't know plastic fiberglass or something under the bottom like if you look under your car you Mm -hmm, see mm -hmm. you know framing and a bunch of exposed maybe like drive shaft and whatever else like that that's how the underside of a camper looks except if it's enclosed there's just a panel and all the plumbing is inside and it's surrounded with insulation and then they do things like they put a heater in the tank, like the water, the freshwater tank and the waste tanks, um, to keep those above freezing. Um, and I think that it's possible, most people, so the thing I did blowing out the pipes is what they call winterizing. Um, and it's, I think, similar to what you do with a house, right? Like you get the water out of the pipes so that you can turn off the heat. The house can get below freezing without uh, too much fear. Some people actually. Um, will fill the the lines, the pipes in the water system with antifreeze. There's a special kind of antifreeze oh. for RVs. That um, sounds terrible. Yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to drink the water in your RV water system <laughs> right. anyway. And then, oh, okay. Right. like, you do that at the beginning of the winter. And then when spring, so, like, you do that to your camper, it pushes the water out or at least, you know, brings the concentration of of antifreeze up high enough that it's like your car it's not going to freeze um and then you put it in storage so it's going to sit through the winter in in freezing temps and then in the spring you hook water up and you flush all that antifreeze out um but anyway um <laughs> it's this is camper talk with dennis hey yeah, while i get you on when i when i got you talk. on camper talk with dennis do, do you, I, I didn't really realize do you have like a a hot water heater on those? I assume you do. Yes, right? it has a thing. It has a small hot water heater. Probably, um, what is it the size of? 
So you know how big a dorm fridge is? Not a small one, but or not a tall one, but the the like cube shaped one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is I'm explaining this poorly. It's <laughs> I think it holds about three gallons of water, maybe five. No, what am I thinking? So so you uh, have enough for like a a quick shower, not but not a long one to. Yeah, and I I think it works. I think it works pretty fast heating up the water. And the reality is the um what they call the gray tank where the the drain in the shower goes to fill up is only I want to say it's somewhere around 30 gallons in this yeah. in this camper, maybe a little less. You know, so if you do the math there, your standard uh like um gallon per minute shower head uh, you're not standing in there, you know, taking a shower for a long time. It happens that the shower in my camper is pretty small. It's not very comfortable to stand in there anyway. And so it's yeah. very much like a, you know, quick, uh, efficient, turn the water on and off when you need it, do what you need to do, and get out of there and conserve uh, both. You know, if you're hooked up to water, you're not worried about the, you're not worried about the water supply, but maybe about that that uh, gray tank filling up I, um, I don't know what it is but I, I have all sorts of questions to today what, what yeah what there's is... a lot of all all this stuff that I have learned in the last like six to eight months watching YouTube and uh, and all of those things because like when when you stayed here for like a week or two um, you didn't hook up the water from from the hose or something do you, is that what you do you just like if you're at a campsite with campers, you, do you have like a hose hookup too, as well as power hookup? I know there's power hookup. Yeah, but. yeah. There there are degrees or levels of of campsite hookups, right? From the uh, excuse me, from the absolute bare bones, uh, what some people call dry camping or or boondocking, <laughs> where you're hooked up to nothing. Where you have yeah. solar panels charging batteries, maybe you have a generator, you have a tank full of fresh water, and empty tanks that you fill with uh, uh, gray and, and black of the wastewater. Um, yeah. So that's the bottom level. You can get campsites with uh, electric hookups, right? Like if you're at a state park with your tent and you want to plug in your radio or whatever, it's just like that. You have just electricity. Then there is... Um, electric and water which means there's power electricity and there's a hose hookup so you don't have to fill your fresh tank with water you just get water uh, from a hose running into your the side of your your camper and then okay. and then the the highest level is what they call full hookups that means there's both water and electricity hookups hookups and there's also a big um uh sewer hole plug uh hookup it's not even a hookup like a hose goes into it and um i've actually never camped at a site like that yet but um when you're set up like that then the water comes from the hose into your camper and your drains flow out that out your hose into that um sewer intake in the ground and goes out and you don't fill your tanks Man, it's, it's like a whole live there kind of spot then, yeah right? that's basically there are people who have um uh there there's a kind of camper called a park model it's like it's somewhere in between a um a camper and like a what we call a trailer like a trailer park 
trailer, they're usually, you know, much nicer than a trailer park trailer and a little bit smaller. Yeah. Like they're still I think they're still moved by, you know, just big pickup trucks. They're not, you know, they don't have to be moved by semis like um a, a tractor trailer trucks like uh like trailers, uh, trailer park trailers do. But uh yeah. yeah, that's a whole different that's that's almost like having a summer house or a or a cabin. You just have it in a you have it parked in an RV park year round um and have everything hooked up. Man, I, I mean, it's it's fun and interesting and create. I bet you it's just like a it's a, a lot of work, I guess. But it's something that you just kind of you live. I'm using air quotes. The life, um, and you figure it out and and uh, kind of you know work that way. That's that's cool. Yeah, it's all, all right, so you, it's you, all been very much very much learn as I go. And uh, yeah, like I said, my Jeep was in the shop. It was a problem with the computer, which is a thing cars do now. Young people are like, "What are you talking yeah. about? The cars have always had computers." Um, That's unfortunate because because that is, um, those are expensive. Yeah, this I mean, anytime anytime the computers go wrong, right? This was something that like it wasn't plugged in right. It just took them a long time to diagnose, and I'm like, "Well, I know what that's like because I uh, work in software." So it's like sometimes ninety percent of the time is just figuring out what's wrong. Like doing the actual fix is super easy. It's just hard to find yeah. what the actual problem is, and they are pretty sure it was a mistake they made before I bought it because I only bought it like two months ago. Um, yeah. And so they're not going to charge me for it. It just has been over there for like two and a half weeks. Um, yeah. Which is not not a horrible amount of time, right? We're in a post-COVID, not post-COVID, but like post-lockdown and all of its uh, yeah, uh, yeah. repercussions on our supply chain uh, time. And I'm sure there are people in, you know, whose cars have been in the shop for longer waiting for chips or whatever kind of stuff, but Ch- chips, as I was say that that's probably something terrible with your, with those kind of vehicles is like, or not those kind of vehicles. I mean, with things that go in for that problem is dealing with computer chips, um, is the, is the worst part. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. anyway, I'm yeah. looking so, forward so do, to do, do, getting do, that do you have back. A pick where you're going. Do you know where you're going? Do you have a, like a, a spot picked out? Or are you going no, way no, south? Not r- not really. I'm I'm still sort of researching my options in terms of like clubs, uh, memberships, and uh, mm-hmm. and things like that. I think when it gets to be, I didn't I didn't really realize this, and I don't know. I'll see. Like, I prefer cooler temperatures, so I might be able to get by in like just going into the deep south somewhere, Georgia or Louisiana or something. Um, but if it gets, if it keeps. Um, getting below freezing at night wherever i'm staying i might have to go as far as florida or texas um to uh and uh, to sound terrible no no i i love you florida and texas you're you're wonderful (laughs) yeah 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 so so we'll see Uh, but going going south for the winter uh florida is i know it's always a wonderful place i'm actually going to go down there in december uh which is intentional uh to go I think it was two, maybe, maybe three, 2019. So two years ago, um, went to Florida for the first time. No, that's the second time. So 2017, I went to Florida for the first time during the winter, and it was in the middle of this, middle to end December around Christmas time. And I, I, you know, I know it. You know these things, and you read it, and you see about that. But actually, being in a spot in the middle of winter, and it's only like 65. And you're like 55 in the morning or something, and you feel this is fantastic. You know, and when you fly back 
to Indiana and it's, you know, 20 degrees all day long, right. you have this total wonder of amazement that people can walk around with just a light jacket in December and January. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate that and feel that they are very lucky. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's the only time of year that I would want to go to Florida. Um, you know, if it <laughs> yeah, gets, it's, I've been summer a lot and it's, it's not always great. Yeah. The weather, the weather gets over like 80 and I'm done. I'm like, what, what is this? Get me back in the air conditioning. No, Fl Florida in, um, in the summer is not just 80. It's also 800 because of the humidity. And yeah. It just stays. Exactly. So, so about now, now I, I, we're talking a lot about Florida here, but I, I have, I do have a love for Florida too, because, um, just like most places, living on the beach area is a different world because of that constant breeze mm. is always happening. Like sure. even if you're like a mile inland, you still have that ocean breeze that's always hitting you. So living on the edges of Florida is a whole different world than living anywhere near the inland areas. Yeah. I, I just honestly, although I love the city, I have no idea how people live in Orlando. It's, right. That is a crazy talk how they live in there. They are, they are warriors of temperature. But anyway, I always, like I said, if I was, if I was a one percenter millionaire, I would definitely have or billionaire, I guess. Remember when we were kids, we could say you're rich and you're a millionaire. And now it's, <laughs> you know, it's gotta be a billionaire. It's, uh, um, it's inflation. But, <laughs> it's inflation, right? Uh, I, um, I think that uh, New Zealand is where I would have, I definitely have a home. And I mean, mm. it, it's such a beautiful country and being in the Southern hemisphere yeah. means you can just switch Switch places. Heck, I'm I can work from home now these days, right? Can't I just uh, live wherever I want? Yeah, how, how it should work. That's wait. Why you, you? What you need to do next, Dennis, is get a, a boat big enough to hold to haul your camper. That way, you can just go from continent to continent anytime you want. Some That's people, some people do that, and and they just live in a boat. They've got like a like a big enough like yacht or whatever. I don't know if they take them across the ocean or just like follow the mm -hmm. coasts around in one country like in england uh somewhere i assume it's around london somewhere but in like the canals and the rivers people live in those um narrow boats uh did we talk about a show let's we could pivot this off of weather and travel and uh i watched a show a few months ago our buddy pete told me about i probably talked about it on the show but it's called zomboat I have not heard of that. We're no. talking about that. Okay. Uh, so it's um, British people and there's a zombie apocalypse and they decide to uh, try to escape in one of the, the girls, two protagonists are, I think, sisters. Um, and they take her boyfriend's boat. And it's, these boats are just designed to like sit in these canals and you, and you live in them. They're really long and they have kitchens and, uh, bedrooms and stuff and they move incredibly slow they're like barges and so okay. it's a bit every time they're trying to escape from the zombies like they get in and turn the controls and push forward the accelerator and then there's a montage of like valves needles <laughs> popping up or whatever and then they zoom out to show the boat just like it's moving at like four miles an hour like it's moving slower than the zombies can walk <laughs> that's funny um so yeah I, I i could not live in a houseboat i i i like the idea of vacationing for a couple days on a houseboat mm -hmm. but yeah just just that idea of of waking up and it you know being underwater 
as if I'm an ecosystem. Yeah, down, down, down in the water like that. I, I, I'm kind of with you on that one. Yeah, that's even if you're just like a little offshore. I saw, I saw a TikTok. We're gonna say TikTok here, uh, where this guy was. It was one of those. I get a lot of those Zen TikToks where it's just like this is a cool like. Uh, Middle Eastern or or Asian soundtrack in the background with some beautiful music. Okay. And it's peaceful and calm, and somebody's been building something or making food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I saw one guy who was like, he's making, he's putting this like houseboat together type thing with a tent on top of it, and he put these mattresses on these. Oh, and it's like floating uh, inner tube things. It's like time lapse. Yeah, where yeah. he's kind of just I've seen slowly putting these pieces together, and he's got this wonderful floating house with a tent on on the lake and I'm like, no, that looks beautiful. And then, you know, I've slept on air mattresses before. That thing is gonna, you're gonna wake up at 3 a.m. under the water inside a tent. <laughs> no, let's just not yeah. do that. It's, you know, unsafe. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I know, I know all you listeners out there who are like, no, 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 houseboats are great and even yachts are even better, but it's still just something about that constant death underneath you um, that, that would freak me out. Uh, although I do love, I do love traveling on like cruises and boats and stuff like that. I haven't done it a whole lot, but um, I, I would like to do it more. It's just, it's pretty cool uh, living out there. So I, I get the attraction. So anyway, m- moving off of our, our our camping, I'm sure I will have more camper questions for you as time sure, goes sure. on. So you can be prepared for those. Um, let's, you know what? Something we don't haven't done in a while. Let's jump into it because we can run by through this one pretty quick. Let's jump into our movie challenge real quick to start off with for this week um it's it's a it was last week was halloween uh today recording this is november 3rd so if i want to put some perspective next week when you can watch listen to this it'll be the 10th um so it'll be 10 days removed from halloween but it was halloween week last week for us to watch a movie and we chose scream so let's let's listen to that one our our thoughts on that one yeah yep This week we watched the 1996 uh, horror, it's not really parody, but it's like meta, meta horror. I don't know. I don't know what to Meta's call. good. That's, that's a good name. It's, it's, it's firmly in the horror genre, but uh, we're talking about Scream. Uh, Wes Craven uh, directed, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, uh, Skeet Ulrich, very briefly, Drew Barrymore at the beginning. Um, and yeah, yeah, right. She's she has a a cameo, right? Yeah, almost almost cameo, um, and a handful of others who uh, became became famous later. Um, yeah, this uh, who, who, who was it that became famous later? Oh, I'm trying to think whose whose career was launched by by Scream. I don't know. I remember hearing about maybe Jamie Kennedy. I remember seeing some of these guys like Matthew Lillard in um in other movies of this era, right? In the nineties the and then eventually dropped off. Rose McGowan, the the friend, her her best friend, uh was in Charmed and other things in the nineties. Um yeah, yeah. the the cameraman, did you did you recognize the cameraman? No, who's that? Uh, he was in Deadwood. 
was it? Uh, Courtney Cox is the reporter. She has a cameraman who's always like eating snacks and stuff in the van. Sure, yeah. I can't place him in Deadwood though. Who was he in Deadwood? It's W. Earl Brown. He was um, uh, he was Dan. Uh, oh, no way. Okay, yeah, I did yeah. not see Dan with that. Okay, I Crazy. I looked at I'm, I looked at him and I'm like, this guy looks familiar. Is this Oliver North? No, that's not him. <laughs> Look and and yeah, I put it together before I got to the end of the movie, but. I was like, this guy looks so familiar. Wow, uh, Dan. Dan. Okay, no, I didn't know. I don't know anything else Dan did, but uh, that. Dan Matter of fact, Dowd. I don't know, know his real name. I'm just going to call him Dan because that was a classic role for yeah, all he, time. He was. I don't know. I guess he was in something about Mary. I'm not sure. I even saw that movie. Oh, was uh, he? Was he the brother? I think he was the brother. Yeah. Maybe I don't remember. That was just a couple years after after scream so uh so scream back to scream scream yeah this um let's see trying to decide whether we need a spoiler bell i guess i guess i will hit the spoiler bell because the the twist is a kind of kind of big reveal so anyway there is a twist there we're gonna talk spoilers for this movie um this is as i as i mentioned last week this is a movie when I was of an age where I could go to the video store and rent movies and watch them and take them back without my parents knowing. <laughs> uh, this was one of the movies that I saw, along with, I don't know, um, I Know What You Did Last Summer, because I was a big Jennifer Love Hewitt fan. and uh, Oh, Jennifer. I don't know. Probably some of her other movies, like Can't Hardly Wait and... Uh, and things like that, but a handful of horror movies. So I was like, "Oh, I can't watch horror movies; it's forbidden fruit, kind of thing." And <laughs> um, I had not seen, you know, when I saw this movie, and still haven't in a lot of cases, except like we watched Halloween for our poster. I had never seen classic horror movies. Like this is one of the first horror movies that I saw. I probably saw I Know What You Did Last Summer first, but um, it was one of the first ones on, that I saw, and it references so many. Not specifically, like in some specific ways, but mostly just in generic uh, kind of meta genre ways, um, all these classic horror movies Um, and is directed by Wes Craven, who's probably best known either for this franchise or the Nightmare on Elm Street um, uh, franchise with Freddy Krueger. Right. Um, And... And so a lot of my understanding of the horror genre and movie making and movie like worlds in general comes from this franchise. Um, there's a lot of it in this movie, but I also watched the second and third movies. I know that I saw this movie um, with commentary, right? Like the okay. I would have I would have seen it in the late nineties, early two thousands, when it was a few years old and probably all three movies had been made. And, you know, we were in the sort of peak of the DVD era, right? Where you rent a DVD at the video store and it's got commentary tracks. Um, and so things would happen in this movie as I was watching it. And I'm like, I remember this. Not only do I remember this, I remember like verbatim what they say, you know, what line is coming up next? 
Um, <laughs> and like, I could not have sat down and quoted this movie to you, but as lines were coming, I was like, oh yeah. And then she says this. Um, and then in the later movies, they, they lean even more into the meta, right? In the third one, they talk a lot about trilogies. You're like, oh, if you, if, if this is happening again, you're not in a, you're not in a sequel anymore. You're in a trilogy. And in part three of a trilogy, <laughs> all the rules can change. Uh, you know, they reference Star Wars a lot and probably The Godfather, even though there's so many gaps between uh, in time between The Godfather movies. I don't know if that was the same. Maybe Back to the Future. You know, he goes to the Wild West and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. But I watched this movie um, this weekend, this past weekend. Um, I downloaded it onto my iPad so I could watch it while I was traveling. As I mentioned, I flew out to um, D.C. to visit our buddy Fox, um, and I had layovers and connections on both flights. And so I had, like, some chunks of time, but I, I was never either on a plane or in an airport long enough to watch a whole movie. So I watched, like, in two separate settings, sittings. Okay. Um, right. And which... Which was fine because I mostly remembered like the high points. I did not remember the end and who the killer was and how that all oh, gets really? resolved, which was kind of funny. Probably because I watched all three and they're blended together in my mind. So I'm like, yeah, it's just some random guy. Like you see um cotton cotton weary? Cotton cotton something. It's um I think it's Ryan Philippe. Let me okay. S- let me see if I can find that. What's like, the character name? His first name is Cotton. He's the he's the guy that she frames or she frames that she accuses of killing her mother. Um. Oh, okay. You oh, just right. yeah yeah the, the you false, just yeah. see him on TV. Um. Oh no, it's Leah Schreiber. Oh yeah, I know him. Cotton Weary is his name. Uh, okay. Yeah, he was in, I don't know, X Men Origins, and he's Ray Donovan. Yeah, he, yeah, I, he, I he's done sure, a t- yeah. he's done a ton of stuff. Yeah, he's done. he's good. I like him a whole lot. He's he's either a villain or the killer in the second one, and so I couldn't remember like whether that happens in this movie or whether it actually was her dad. Um, it was funny to see like Skeet Ulrich. Or I don't know, maybe it's Ulrich. Uh, I've okay. I I remember him mostly from a TV show called Jericho. Um, okay. I don't know if you remember that. It was in like oh seven ish. It's one of those post. I, I, I remember the name of post apocalyptic. Yeah. Like a bunch of nukes go off. Oh and yeah, I never watched that. that. I didn't watch that one because it didn't get continued for a season, and then I guess it ended on a cliffhanger. Is what I had heard. It kind of does. Yeah, they lose it toward yeah. the end. It starts out good, but. But loses the loses the thread, and then I watched I watched one show like that called Alphas that I really liked, mm-hmm. and it got canceled and ended on a cliffhanger. And I was like, I swear never to watch another show like that. It does <laughs> that, that again. That right? doesn't that doesn't end. And it doesn't end. Yeah. Um. And more recently, he is in Riverdale, the uh mm, teen yeah. drama loosely based on the Archie comics. He plays uh, Jughead right archie's best friend he plays jughead's father who's like a 
washed up alcoholic or something. I forget the details now. I'm like, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, you know, see these actors who are like, they're the young, cool, like high school characters. And I'm like, you know, if I had, if, if I saw a TV series that Nev Campbell was in today, she would be playing somebody's mom. Like she's, you know, that's how it works. Right. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, so so it was entertaining for me to watch this movie and see how the movie the movie references and the not even movie references because that sounds like they reference a specific movie. This this in this movie they reference like movies as a concept, as an idea. Right. And right. it's it's really the the series' whole shtick. Um and it was amusing to me now, you know, some like, for me, 20 years later, though this movie is 25 years old, um, to see those references and kind of chuckle at how on the nose they are. Right. They're like, you know, oh, it's it's this and, and you know, Skeet Ulrich is dead on the floor and the, the kid who works in the video store is like, watch out, Sid. This is the time when the killer jumps back up for one last scare. And then he does it. <laughs> she shoots him in the head. Not in my movie. And I'm like, oh, it's yeah. so bad, but still kind of funny at the same time. I, I, dug, I dug that part about this movie. That's yeah. actually one of the reasons. And, and I am not a big, huge fan of this genre. Just, it, you know, I, that is not a knock on it. It's just everybody has a genre that they like. Yeah, no, like. we've talked about that before. Neither of us really are. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's okay. But this one, this was still one that's like, be, because of that referential stuff, the fact that it's kind of self-aware of what it's doing, you know, it, at this time when you're watching these, these movies, they're, they're all so the same and, it, and it's so tropey and they're doing everything they can. I wouldn't say doing anything they can to not be tropey, but they're all like, you, well, you have to get this part of trope. And it, it felt like everything of these kind of genres movies had to have these tropes or it wasn't, it didn't qualify as a good horror movie. So right. this one like was pointing that out intentionally and, you felt like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having this. Uh, we're having the same conversation while we're watching this movie. And then they, like you said, that part at the very end there, they're really, they're just like fourth wall breaking almost there, like identifying what they are and what they're doing. So, um, I, I dug that. I that's something that I think set this one ab- uh, apart from the rest of them. And the, the best part about it, besides that, it's still, it's. That makes it smart because it still does all the tropes. Like, right? right it's just right. a classic movie that does all the things. I mean, it's just. I mean, there's being a stressful. There's a stressful scene where the kid, again, the kid who works at the video store, whose character name I'm not going to remember, uh, who knows, who tells him about the three rules, is like pleading to Jamie Lee Curtis on the TV to turn around because the killer's right behind her. All the while, the killer is right behind this guy, and there's yeah, somebody watching great. him on the surveillance camera. That you know, the news uh, cameraman guy in the van. I'm like, the layers of meta happening here are so deep that yeah, yeah. it's 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 doing all of those things that you kind of have to do, right? The 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 horror genre has these rules for a reason because people are there for a reason. It's like if you watched a romantic comedy. Where, you know, the two most attractive people in the cast don't end up together at the end. Like, every once in a while you can watch a movie like that and it's good. Like, um, 
uh, well, I'm not going to name any movies because that would spoil them. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you, you know, pressing play or you're going to the, to the theater and buying a ticket to see a romantic comedy, you want a happy, heartwarming, um, you know, uh, a resolution to the, to the romance at the end. Like that's the, that's the, that's why you're there. Right? That's the yeah. contract. Right. And if you, if you press play or go to the theater to see a horror movie, you expect to be scared like you or at least startled even if you kind of know what to expect like you're along for the ride and if you don't um that's what this whole genre is and it's you know it's a it's a niche i mean niche is kind of a strong word because there are a lot of people who like this genre um like i said i'm i'm not generally one of those i i you know stuff like that the the jump scares and whatever can affect me very very strongly and then i'm upset about it it feels it feels cheap and manipulative which it definitely is but it's no more manipulative than you know playing on people's heartstrings with a with a love story movie it just is more um it's slightly more as they say lizard brained um yeah which it feels it's the same reason i don't really like pranks or practical jokes like yeah, I feel like you you did something cheap and then are are proud of yourself because somebody reacted. You're like it's a it's like an evolutionary response, an instinctive reaction. Like it's not anyway. We don't have to get because I'm sure if you go back to um, episodes of the podcast where we talked about what a quiet place or uh, Halloween yeah. or Vertigo, um, any of those movies, right. I'm sure that we've we've hashed that topic to death but yeah this movie and it's and and it the the whole trilogy really even though there were four i don't think i ever saw the fourth one i think it was many years later and quite different um which is often the case um it does this meta thing that um like most horror movies have a little bit of tongue-in-cheek a little bit of self-awareness um but this one leans into it just so hard did you catch um i i caught this and i don't know if i ever noticed it on previous viewings but uh did you catch the um west craven cameo in this movie i actually i actually didn't on that one because uh, i mean so no wait are we talking about west craven or robert england so the 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 cameo it's this it's the, probably the same one that you're talking about i didn't realize it was west craven until right. i checked imdb but um okay when uh, Henry Winkler, as the pretty hilarious uh, uh, um, principal of the school, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, Fonzie, but I'm used to seeing him as uh, Dr. Saperstein from Parks and Rec or the, the <laughs> sure. lawyer in uh, Arrested Development. Um, he's playing a similar kind of character here. Um, also in that movie Waterboy with, uh, with Andy um, Adam... Uh, Wow, Adam Sandler and Kathy Bates um, mm-hmm. playing the coach. Uh, uh, he, he goes out in the hallway and he, he says something to Fred, the janitor, who is clearly Freddy Krueger, right? right? But it's uh, but it's Wes Craven doing that, um, oh. doing that Freddy Krueger cameo. Which is funny. Funny. And, and, and it's again, you're, it's Wes Craven, not Robert England, right? Right, right. Okay, at least Ro- according Robert to IMDb. E- Oh, that's weird. Okay, because yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because like Wes Craven created 
him, but um, right. Robert Englund played him. Yeah, that's what I would have noticed. I think if it was if it was Robert Englund, he was in. I just remember first time I actually ever saw Robert England with his normal face was in Wes Craven's New Nightmare when he's playing himself as playing Freddy, Freddy Krueger, which is also very meta. Oh, I see. Uh, I see. It's it's that movie is also very very meta, and I didn't, I didn't um, like any of the other movies, but that one because of the meta, just like Scream here, um, I I enjoyed for for those reasons. Yeah, um, I've said before that when I was in college, we got free movies on Mondays. And so there are a handful of other horror movies that I saw either completely out of context of their franchise or um, just randomly because it was the Brokaw Theater. They only had two screens. So I saw Hannibal when I had never seen Silence of the Lambs. I saw Freddy versus Jason and I had never seen any Freddy or Jason movies. Um, And I saw some other crappy stuff like mothman prophecies and what else uh um what lies beneath that one was okay i think um yeah. one of one with a house and a family the family were the ghosts the whole time i don't know <laughs> the whole time that, that oh i know that one actually i know that one that one's really good i like that one a lot um what, i just was laughing at it but uh, it's got um uh, far and away lady Jody um, or uh, Nicole nope, Kidman. No, nope. no Cole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like that. One. It's called the others. I think is what it was called or something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there that, were some that, that, that I, that I that some that I saw in the theater that were okay. And others that I'm like, Oh, I probably would have enjoyed Hannibal more if I had seen sounds of the lambs. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, I, 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 uh, um, so, so capping this one out, I, I really, I did like this movie in general, just because of the, the meta-ness of it and that they leaned into it. It, it allowed me to enjoy a horror movie, um, and be okay with all those things. And it's, you know, like, oh, not groan at every other time. And because, because it's doing, it's, it's telling you that we're doing that. It's recognizing that. And because of that, it let me enjoy the movie a little bit more, um, was I, I don't feel it was very scary because that genre again played itself out with scariness. You you know he's coming behind him. You know that mm-hmm. there's a sex scene coming up. Somebody's going to die, right? right? You know, um, so it's not scary per se. Uh, I did. I I really enjoyed. Now we're in spoilers. I did enjoy the reveal and the ending uh, because of that. Because of the fact that. Um, you know, they, they talk about it being that and they cut each other open type thing, you know, to show that they're going to how they're going to plot the thing, um, which is cool. And it did have a little bit of a twist that there was two people instead of one, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, that oh, good that you did. A, you did a thing here. It's not just one of the people in there. It's actually two of them, which was pretty good. So I, I enjoyed that ending. I, I enjoyed that it had a satisfactory ending. Now, I haven't watched any of the uh, other screams. And I guess Sydney is the character. Sydney is um, that's who you named your daughter after, right? It is not, <laughs> but that that is, and it's spelled incorrectly. Even um, the that that character, I guess, is the main character in all of them. Is that correct, or mm-hmm. most of yeah. them? Yeah. And I know in the new screen that's coming up, she is also involved heavily in in the yeah yeah a lot of, Campbell plays the a lot of the original cast. I saw in the in the, in the new movie. Yeah. 
Uh, so, okay, cool. Yeah. So, you, yes, you've given it a thumbs up to watch. Would you recommend it? I think yeah, for, so we for can horror movies. I would. We can we can do final judgments here. This one's a tricky one for me. It has a kind of nostalgia place in my in my you know DNA. Um, it's uh, boy, I don't I don't know. Like if you're if you're a young person and you don't know some of these like limitations of the tech, like the cell phone, like the the existence of a cell phone is is kind of noteworthy in this in this setting in this time. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're people constantly out of uh, out of communication. It's kind of like um, uh, our friends in in Discord were talking about transporters in in Star Trek. It's like once you have cell phones, once everybody has cell phones, like now what do you do in horror movies? Because so much of the tension is based on people not being able to communicate. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that sort of '90s-ness in the in the setting that probably makes it hard to to appreciate for a new viewer um it would be it would definitely be like a almost campy movie at this point to watch and see the see the tongue-in-cheek um you know movie movie meta-ness of it yeah uh i i i enjoyed it still and i and and they were in the final judgments there i i think that um if you want to watch if you want to watch a horror movie from the nineties or late eighties, I mean, you can watch one of any Jason or Freddy, just one. You don't have to watch both or Halloween. Sure. Sure. You can watch one of them and get a whole, what, what are people who freak out and love movies from those, that, that age, you can watch one of those, but if you want to watch, uh, and then, and then I would say after that, follow it up with this because this one is kind of good and still makes fun of those, not makes fun of, but, you know, plays on those. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would recommend it as a second callback to that, to that age of stuff. Do, do they, I don't really watch horror movies nowadays. Are, what's a, what's a, what's a modern one that I'm, that doesn't follow? Do they, I'm assuming that after the several 800 screams, they kind of slowed down on this kind of genre. Am I wrong? Or are they I still mean, like I, pumping? I don't. I don't know because I don't. Uh, you know, I. I the the genre is not really my thing, so I haven't kept up with it. Um, I watched Quiet Place, and I thought it was just okay. I think that was one where you had to be in the theater to really appreciate it because of the like atmospheric uh, uh, setting of you know the lack of sound, like is kind of critical to. Um, to the experience right um well i uh i, I give it a th- i give it a, a half thumbs up I, a mm. thumbs up for someone who's not a fan of the genre let's put it that way mm, sure um and, and i can't think of one to, to go watch besides like a quiet place which is it's kind of horror more sci-fi ish but um okay so next week uh my turn right i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i pre i pre-picked up this one right? instead of waiting to the last minute and thinking about this um, so the one I picked this week, um, is one that I've not seen since I was a kid or, or like a teenager, at least probably a teenager. Um, and it's sci-fi. So, you know, I liked sci-fi back then and I'm giving, I'm giving some setup here, Dennis. Okay. I was, um, at that age, Star Trek, the movies, uh, not next generation, but the original series movies 
was like the cool sci-fi. There was Star Wars, obviously, but there was those things were, you know, the Star Trek ones were were constantly happening. Like there felt like there was going to be an endless supply of those constantly going out. So those were your staple sure, type movies. Sure, sure. And and this this you know where Star Wars was the event thing that happened that had one story, right? Mm-hmm. But Star Trek was so many stories. This kind of feels like that. I think it's called Enemy Mind, by the way. I guess I buried that. Uh, Enemy Mind. It has Dennis Quaid in it and Lou Gossett Jr. It's Lou Gossett Jr. and uh, he plays an alien, and uh, it's got a Last Starfighter vibe to it, where it's, you know, the the time period kind of graphics, think Star Trek graphics, um, again, original series movies, and um, maybe even a little bit worse. Um, and, and I, I, but I remember really enjoying it. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is uh, the. It's got a plot where. A human and alien race is at war with each other and they crash land on a planet and they have to come together somehow and survive. And they are completely different. One is one is an alien alien and one is a human human and they hate each other and they kind of come to a middle ground ish type way. Mm. Um, so I thought that was a, a neat way. As it's like, a, as it's a like Darmok. Yeah, it's you know what it is like Darmok. Very, very, very good thing. I, Man, I well, that was good. It's like Darmok. Yeah, I've never seen this though. It, okay. it looks like the poster looks kind of familiar. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I just remember really really like. I'm glad you said Darmok because that is granted. Darmok is what we're talking about, listeners. If you're not Star Trek people, is there's a good episode called Darmok where the captain goes down to a planet with an alien and is forced to come together and, and mm-hmm. understand each other. There's more to it than that. And it's a great episode, but similar to what we're watching with enemy mine here. Um, and yeah, they, they, it's not so much about, there is a large part. I remember kind of about communication, but um, yeah, it's coming together. Probably more together your, more your classic sort of like Tarzan Jane communication. Probably yes. It, it's hard for me to remember what it was, but um, yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to watch this one again. I I was I kind of picked it because I wanted a fun sci-fi thing to watch, but mm. now that I'm just now talking about it, I'm like I'm starting to remember some elements coming back, and I'm like, ah, right, this is probably worth some discussion with you, Dennis, because I know you you're a, a fan of sci-fi and even this kind of level of sci-fi. Um, so and you've not seen it, like you said, so that that'd be cool. I really like to hear what that. How, what you think about this one. of all the fun silly picks that i pick on this list this one is actually um i'm actually really excited about because i haven't seen it in so long and who knows it could be another highlander where it's terrible with mm-hmm. horrible acting uh but you know we that's why we have that's why we have this on the show to to watch this kind of stuff uh yeah so enemy mine with dennis quaid and lou gossett jr and i'm gonna be upset if it's not lou gossett jr because he's under heavy makeup the whole time but i think it's him. I've got IMDb up, so yes, it's Lou Gossett Jr. Woohoo! I, I picked that one. 1985. He's, he's under heavy makeup. You can barely see it, but his voice is very distinctive. It's 1985, so Dennis Quaid has to be like 12, I think. Uh, no, he, he's, a, he's an older fella now these, you know, these days. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so cool. cool. Well, and, it's, and it's connected to Star Trek because his son is uh, Jack Quaid. Is, um, uh boimler in lower decks boimler right yeah and isn't jack quaid also in, isn't it the same guy that's um in the boys the boys yeah Luke. and he does look huey. like his dad a lot we, doesn't we huey, huey. who, who yeah, he, also he, also star trek um uh carl urban 
in the boys. Oh, yeah, right. It, it all connects, man. It all connects. Two, two, two degrees of Star Trek. I think uh, I think it's available on Netflix. I, could, I couldn't be wrong. So if you're wanting to watch along with us, I, I believe you can watch it on Netflix. Mm. Uh, check it out, 1985, Enemy Mind, and come back with us. I, I'm hoping it's actually one of those like lost gems that I had forgotten about um, that, are, that is, is still pretty good. Another one I would put group with this is a movie called Dragon Slayer. It's the equivalent of it with fantasy. So mm. uh, l- l- let me know what you think, Dennis. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to bring that to the thing. Uh, okay, cool. M- moving on from that one. Uh, what you went out to, right, we skipped earlier on. We always talk about what we do and what we kind of catch it, mm. catching up on mm-hmm. each other for the week. But I know I forgot I missed. Uh, you actually went out to see our buddy Fox yep, this week I did. and, and, and uh, Geek Scholar Jill. Yep. It does. Wait, does Geek Scholar Chris live out that way? Did you get it? Hang on. Uh, I did too? not. I think that he does. But uh, I was only yeah. out there for two nights. I did the, uh, you know, financially not advised uh, thing of flying out on Friday and back Sunday. Um, oh, yeah, those are the. The money yeah, days. and and kind of last minute flight. And my, my hope when I initially agreed to going out there was uh, that I would have my vehicle and that I would take my camper and then from there go on south mm. uh, to warmer climbs. But uh, as I said, my Jeep was in the shop and stuck here in the cold. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fly out there and hang out. And uh, we went to see a football game, as I mentioned. And, and what what event was it? Was it just you, you going out? Oh, football, football game. game. Football game. Uh, yeah. uh, IU at Maryland, University of Maryland, Terrapins. Um, now, 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 to set this up a little bit, um, most of our friends, or, or two of our two of our good friend group, uh, Trotsky and Brad, uh, are uh, have run for some twenty plus years a tailgating at the every IU home game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, when you were in town, you were at them all too as well. And so was, I believe Fox was at some of them mm-hmm, at that time. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if he was with us there, uh, but it's a really good time where we all get to, you know, go outside and be stupid in the cold and, and none of us rarely watch the game, but have, you know, just have a good uh, Saturday time. But since you guys have moved away, you, you don't get to participate often. No. Um, and I, you came down is visiting playing Maryland at in Maryland. And that is where our, uh, the foxes, the foxes, uh, live. And yeah, Fox uh, went to. So yeah, there's the setup for that. Yeah, Fox did his undergrad at, at Maryland and did mm-hmm. his uh, postgrad stuff at at IU. So he's got you know a foot in in both worlds. And I did not go to either school, but you know lived mm-hmm. in Bloomington long enough that I was going to root for IU. It was kind of fun. We got to sit in the little section where they had IU people, and there were maybe twenty or or 30 at most uh, people in the IU section. So every time uh, (laughs) there's just not hardly any. Yeah. Every time we scored, like everybody jumped up and did the clapping and the little, uh, the little song that they do. Cause we're, you know, in enemy territory as it were. And that was kind of fun. Like I don't, I'm not a big, I'm not a big sports guy, but of course going to the event is fun and watching, uh, you know, stuff happened in person. It's college, so you're pretty close to the action compared to. I've only been to one NFL game, but we were very far away up in the up in the <laughs> nosebleeds, as they say. Um, and it was fun. We did some we did some tailgating beforehand, which was which was cool. There's a there's an IU alumni association that has a Maryland chapter because they're a bunch of 
you know, former oh, wow, IU wow. students that live in that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we uh, did that before the game and then, uh, yeah, and I watched the game and went back to Fox's place. They they moved into a new house within the last year. And um, so, you know, we got the got the tour of that and Fox. Oh, right. You got to go us. to the new estate. The estate. Yeah. He's a, you know, Fox likes to likes to cook and and smoke. He made ribs the first night, smoked ribs. And um, <laughs> he like he likes to smoke meat, not. Just smoke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? <laughs> not, not recreational drug use or anything like that smoke smoke meats <laughs> box and, box likes to smoke we, yeah we, we we get it yeah right and um <laughs> and uh uh crab legs the second the mm. second night he made in the smoke maryland crab legs cool mm-hmm. yeah, sure well I, I can get that it was snow crab so i'm pretty sure it didn't come from maryland but uh, <laughs> that's right yeah right sure yeah. funny yeah if I, if I, it, the to, to we we just little joke about Fox doing that stuff, but Fox is a really good cook though. I, much as, as as he is a a movie and and board game guy, he, he's actually a, a, an excellent chef. So it's, oh, and he also it's, made yeah. he also made the biscuits from Ted Lasso. That was fun. Oh, was were they? You mean the not the actual biscuits? Because I've heard the actual biscuits are terrible, right? But like some online recipe or something is that I, right? I thought they were really good, but I had the thought like certain things that you're like oh this is really good but i wouldn't want a lot of it and when mm, you okay. are i don't know this from experience well actually do from a tiny bit of experience but when you're filming you have to do the same thing over and over right and yes. so right. if you are hannah waddington who plays rebecca in ted lasso there's no way that she can eat those biscuits in a fake like she can't pretend eat them like it's showing her very clearly taking a big bite and enjoying it every time and every time they have to do another take of those scenes she has to eat another bite so i can just imagine after like an hour of that like no matter how good it is like it's it's turned in your mouth you're like "Uh, i can't (laughs) right uh, yeah but yeah, no. So, no. so that the, that the, was the actual recipe that she ate, right? I, I don't know about that. I think the ones in the show, at least in the first season, were probably props. They were probably made mostly just to look right. The ones Fox made were very good. Good. Well, there. That's that's fantastic. I I would I, I don't want to. Mary White loves and watch that show. I don't want to misunderstand my uh, my report. There. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so good times up there. It sounds like, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I know our buddy, a friend of the show, Pat, had also gone up there with you, and yeah, um, had a good time. I, I, I miss out. I'd love to do that in a, in a future time. I don't know when next time IU plays Maryland, but that would be sounded like it was a good time. It was. It was. We did a couple of games. Um, oh yeah, uh, Pat and and Fox's son uh, Nathan played a lot of backgammon. Um, which I, I, you know, I've never learned a backgammon. I've never, not, neither have I. We had a set when I was a kid, so I sort of watched and was like, okay, so how does this, you're doing this and you're doing this. And it seems, it seems kind of simple, like, like checkers. And then, okay. uh, it, it is of course on board game arena. So I, I started up a game with Fox and it, especially turn-based, it gets very tedious because there's a, there's a move you can do that will, send the other players uh checker like back to the beginning and they have to sort of start over uh but but it's 
it's a little bit I wouldn't say it's snowbally, but you can hit a point <laughs> where it's it's pretty clear who's gonna win. But because yeah. I could keep setting him back, it just dragged it out. And so I don't I, know. I, I love I don't, how we're des- describing an, an ancient game. A very, very old game. It was <laughs> modern, like, with modern my, stuff. My, right. my, my joke was, you know, it was like some Victorians were like, hey, what if Checkers had some RNG? Because it's got <laughs> dice, right? So you're, you have this strategy, but you can only move based on what dice you roll. Um, so it, it was kind of, I don't know. It's it's not really fair for me to judge it after playing it only once, but uh, that was sort of my. <laughs> I, I do love our review of Batman this week. This is great. I, I did not see that one coming. Nice. Um, I, I gotta so, I gotta play it actually. Speaking of old games, we also played a game called Coup, like Coup d'état, mm-hmm. C O U P. Um, I'm fairly certain that I played this at some point. It's a uh, it's one of the maybe not original, but one of the classic um, secret role bluffing deduction games um actually there are games like this that you play with cards but you have you have roles and um or characters and those characters let you do things and you don't have to reveal your character when you take that action and so people have the the option of of challenging you right so there's some memory some card counting and you're like i don't know if he actually has a duke because i have a duke and there are only three in the whole deck kind of thing um, okay, but uh, but that was that was fun, um, and we played a decent amount of um, of multiplayer games on the Switch. Um, Nathan huh. uh, Fox's son has a has a Switch. Wanted to play with us. He's I think he's about eight. Um, yeah. So it was a, it was a fun kind of. I got there first. Was there for a couple hours before Pat showed up, and then Pat got there and we were playing Mario Kart. Right, and Mario okay. Kart has all these all these powers so it was kind of funny fox or um pat was getting a little annoyed right like we do (laughs) in our group when we're playing games and he's sort of he's sort of muttering to himself and using some adult language (laughs) and like like the second time he fox waits until like the second time and he's like pat and pat's like oh sorry i'm not used to being around kids (laughs) (laughs) right 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 that's funny uh but uh but that was fun. And then later, when was it? I forget. One night, they had the new um, the new Mario Party. Which I don't know. Have you ever played a Mario Party? Uh, maybe like one of the, the original ones. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know that it's changed a whole lot since the early ones. They, you know, will keep adding new mini, mini games and whatnot. But it's, it's kind of the video game equivalent of Sorry. Yeah. Right, sure. Where you, you roll dice and you move around, but you can have a strategy, but stuff just changes at random. And so it was like, I, I had the lead at one point and I got the star that I needed. And then I landed on a spot with Bowser and he was like, I'm going to do one of these four things. Let's spin to see which it is. And the one that he picked was stealing away my star. And then people get free stars at the end. And I'm like, this is a game that you have to play and just really not care about winning because there's so much random nonsense um yeah that you're just going to get frustrated if you i remember are too now. Invested i actually in i think i owned it for the original like switch or something um and i remember that same thing it's like oh this is just for a family game where kids can catch up and adults can't win or lose it's just randomly oh he took all the stars aren't you great jimmy 
right, know, type right. thing. Yeah. Or, or, you know, oh, man, he got that. It really, there's not a, I mean, there's skill, but there's not. Right? There's skill in the it's, mini games, but the whether you win or lose the whole game is determined by so much randomness that it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. So Which and, and I think, that's why after I played it, I was like, nope, I'm out. Throw this game yeah, in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I And I think that's the not throwing it in the trash, but the like the randomness of it is the point. Like there are so many video games that are so skill dependent, especially if you're playing competitively, that here's one where you can have the better skill, but it's not going to matter. It's, you know, for the kids and it's, and it's for the kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, that, that's I, I figured that would be fun. Nathan would probably kick your butt at most of those games anyway. He's, he's yeah. Yeah. I've heard good reports of him and being good at those. I mean, kids are generally they, they pick a thing and they focus on it and they love it. And it's like I watch Sid play. I know Minecraft is a it's not a competitive type thing, but mm -hmm. I watch her play and do things. And she's just like it's her second nature of her hands moving on it. And she plays on a controller, which is really weird to me. Mm -hmm. um, and she plays on a on an iPad or, I, or iPhone even. And she's just so much better. And I've played a ton of, of, of Minecraft. But, you know, at, at a young age, you have that ability to just glom onto things quickly and, and understand all the stuff. So, yeah, I enjoy watching kids play, play their games uh, at, or our games or. Yeah, I think I think I generally won more uh, when Nathan and I played Mario Kart. But I think oh, maybe yeah. he just didn't know about some of the drifting, like buttons and rules. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the flip side, we played Super Smash Brothers, and I like I was lucky to get hits. I mean, we played against bots. He, he we didn't play versus in Smash Brothers. But even at that, I was like, did I hit that bot? I don't think that I did because I can't tell which character is mine. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I it sad, makes me sad because you know I I have usually in the past played. Super Mario World and gone through and beat it. That that one and uh, Super Mario Brothers, I go through once a year and beat on the original mm. consoles. And I haven't done it for a couple of years, like you know, at least two years. I haven't been there. I need to go down before I move and fire it back up and play that. And I, another one of my favorite old Nintendo games. I don't we'll talk about old Nintendo games. Is uh, Link to the Past mm. Zelda game. And it, I mean, it's just it's just one of my most favorite games of all time. And it's still it still holds up and it's still fun. Um, if anybody gets to play emulators of those things, it's it's a fantastic game. Um, I think I maybe and, started and has... it. The only Zelda games that I played start to finish were um, uh, well, I'm drawing a blank now. The one for the Wii. Um, oh, I'm not sure I played that one. And it might have even been a GameCube one that they that they readapted, but I think it had the motion controls. Oh, Twilight Princess, it was called. And oh, okay. I played one of the ones for the DS, one of the first ones. The one, not the one that had all the boats. I think one of them had a lot of sailing, and I played the other one. And I'm also not going to remember what that one's called. The DS uh, <laughs> uh, Zelda games were like a different, a different line. They had a completely different... Um, uh, aesthetic style yeah um well i i got out of zelda and even metroid games um i also only played the wii uh the wii metroid game metroid prime oh yeah uh but i i had uh gotten out of those those games um back in 
since like Super Nintendo. I, mm. So so old, so old, long time ago. Um, but I uh, so I ha- I haven't played so many of the Zelda games that that are out there in the world. Right. Um, you know, which which is which is unfortunate. And I know it's that's like three generations. Like yeah, I, we I, we just yeah. didn't have them. Like I had so many siblings that we didn't really buy single player games like until until yeah, later we got our own consoles so like you know super nintendo uh, original playstation and we didn't have any systems between the nes and the and the playstation except we borrowed an n64 but we didn't have ocarina of time we didn't have any of the zeldas or metroids for nes um and so it just didn't wasn't on my wasn't on my radar of of things Right, yeah. It, I, and this makes me sad to say, but I, I did after Super Nintendo. I was just not into um, Nintendo. I, I, I loved. I, I still have utter respect for all of the Mario and Zelda and Metroid games. I, I really do. And I, and I've played them occasionally at friends' houses or whatever, and they're really great. Mario Sunshine, you know, uh, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Mario Galaxy. I, I, not knocking that, but. You know, I had I had a PlayStation at the time, and mm. those were games were just in in my what I was wanting were better. I, again, I'm not saying all of the games of PlayStation were better than Mario because Mario probably still stands like Mario Galaxy still stands amongst the top of any of that generation. But as the problem I still have with Nintendo systems is that those are the only games to that I feel are worth buying a system for, or a sure. Nintendo system. Sure. And and there we, we've had this conversation a whole lot. It's it's not. I still want to switch, you know, and, and they never come down in price. They just never, ever do. Um, so. No, I mean, not you know. when they're not when it's pandemic time and people are still buying them. Like, why would they? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's Even a then, they, they still and it's them. a system, you know, it's a system thing. Like, do you need do you need two systems? Like I bought a PlayStation 4 when it went heavily on sale and I bought a switch and I hardly use either of them but that's you know that's just me i don't do as much video game playing as i used to and even when i did a lot i would always go back to the same pc games because that's you know my whatever but yeah i i yeah it's like do you need you know if you've got if you've got a playstation 2 do you really need a gamecube like yeah there are probably games on there that you can't get right that's the exclusivity but you're like you know a lot of the you know, except for the ones you mentioned, Zelda, Mario, and Metroid are the big single-player games. Like, a lot of the things that people really buy um, Nintendo consoles for and, and always have are the kind of couch co-op games, stuff like Mario Party and um, and Smash Brothers. And a yeah. lot of that, you know, true. has, yeah, has become online games. Like, I'm sure people are playing Super Smash Brothers um, online. It's a fairly decent, uh, decently popular eSport. But... Um, yeah, back in the day, GameCube and, and N64, it was more about, um, you know, stuff like GoldenEye that was, you know, it was multiplayer, it was just a different, it was hitting a different, uh, demographic. Yeah, 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 GoldenEye was one of those weird ones, too, that, I don't know, this is a, a, a broad, weird topic, but. Especially going way back with histories, so I, I you know I'd love to even read or, or do more research on like histories of video game genres and stuff. I I know things like in my opinion because I played GoldenEye then there was just other better first person games considerably better first person games on Xbox and PlayStation 
It's that people who bought a, a, a Nintendo only had a Nintendo, and then that was the really the only first-person shooter game that kind of come out that was even remotely fun. So I don't everybody remember, loved, loved it. Yeah, I don't remember a better first-person shooter until Halo, and that was Xbox, and so it was years later. Like, like GoldenEye had been out for years when Halo came out. We, I feel like we must have had shooters on the PlayStation 1, but I don't think we owned any. Oh, yeah. Or or even or even rented them. Like, if, if we were going to do that, like, I did, I did shooter stuff on PC, like I did Wolfenstein and Descent and, uh, um, you know, some of the Quake stuff. But I think that was even after. I think the first, the first console FPS I played was was Goldeneye, and so I think that's what it was. It was like the first one, and in retrospect, yeah, the the controls on it were were really awkward and weird. But um, did they did the original PlayStation have analog sticks? I believe I think so, they yeah. added them later. I, I, no, I, they? Think, they, I think the DualShock One has them. Matter of fact, we can just the very the very first controllers definitely didn't. Yeah, but but they added them. I think they added them later before the PlayStation 2 came out. Uh, yes, you're correct. They did not have the analog sticks. Right. And so, like, the that crappy middle analog stick on the, on the N64 was the first, like, you know, it's hard to do FPS without that. Um, well, well to, to, to be fair, again, I, I will just equal here. Uh, the DualShock did launch without um, analog sticks, but... A little early on in the PlayStation um, life cycle, it, they did have controllers. Their controllers all did have analog sticks on them. So okay, when you went yeah, and bought we, a new new thing, we got ours. We got ours secondhand. So I think it had all the first generation uh, controllers. Yeah, because I remember like you, you would you, anytime you would go to the store and buy a new controller, like if you went and bought a second controller, it would have analog sticks on them. Mm. Um, but but the, they just made the the bad mistake of of launching with. Um, with none, and I know Nintendo had launched with one, which was really weird on their boomerang controller. Yeah, their three um, ended. I think they had one or is it two? And I know the Xbox had one or one of those ones that just had one, which was weird. It's the it's um, Nintendo. Xbox had two because that was the first when I played Halo and had two sticks. I was like, oh, one looks and one walks. This is so intuitive. Like after playing uh, Goldeneye and you know, playing with a keyboard and mouse. So it's like, now that I have two analog sticks, like now it's, you can do this on a, on a console. Yeah. The, uh, well, I, I know that, um, I'm trying to think here. But I never had the PlayStation 2, so I don't know what was available on that. Oh yeah, please. I mean, th- no, that was on, the dual analog sticks was PlayStation 1. They, they, they did, like I said, they launched without him, but then a couple months in, Every, they they all had them, so yeah. if you bought one of the original ones, you you did not have uh, dual dual shock controllers. I mean, did not yeah. have dual I, analogs. I just on. for me, I don't I don't know if we ever had those controllers, and if we did, we never had a game to really take advantage of it. So I don't remember like the first time I remember experiencing a console FPS with two uh, analog sticks was Halo. Not that there weren't any before that. That was just the first one that I that I experienced post. Uh, Goldeneye. Yeah, I think I think I think Goldeneye because I know Quake was out, um, and Quake and Doom, um, 
there there were definitely games that were on PlayStation that came out before Goldeneye. Oh. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Like, I yeah. I and, think and, I think of those as PC games, but again, and, and even like Dark Forces, Dark Forces was was out. I didn't and have Hexen things like that, but um, yeah. So so they had them. They they did have them. Like the, the PlayStation did have those games. It's just that, like I said, the the Nintendo did not have anything. Like Nintendo, just like Nintendo usually does, is always starving for good content, right? And um, I, I, I'm speaking very standoffish here because I, again, I didn't own a Nintendo 64, and um, but just a fr- friend of mine did, and he was super Ruby Trotsky, and he was super hardcore Nintendo forever kind of type person. Um, but you would go over to play at his house, and he would have like just Mario, right, and then that's it, and or Pilot Wings or something like that. I don't um, know, and yeah, it was kind of weird because we. We didn't own a, an N64, but my brother-in-law got one as a graduation gift and then went to college and couldn't take it with him. So he just left it for us to play. And we actually didn't have any of the first party titles. Like we didn't have Ocarina of Time. We didn't have Super Mario World. We had Goldeneye and probably the most, I don't, this might be a Nintendo title. We had Star Fox. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if that's yeah, if that's yeah. th- if that's third first party or or not but that's no, the I think I, it's it was rare so it's that's I Okay mean, yeah yeah first, first parties they own them now yeah Right and so that was the most we actually didn't have so I don't while yes I under, I I definitely have that association of like Metroid Zelda and Mario are all Nintendo things um I don't also, the Switch is the first... Um, no, I take that back. I bought a Wii. Um, you know, we had... Those are the things. Like, Star Fox played really good with the uh, with the stick, too. And so those um, those other shooters that you, you think of as PlayStation games, I think of as PC games. And it's part of why, you know, I... Part of my, like, personal lore of what's, what's a console game and what's a PC game. And... You sure. Know, now, sure, now, yeah. th- now those lines are so blurred, especially in the shooter genre. That uh... yeah, I'm, I'm going to do an editorial correction here. I, I'm, I'm, I misspoke. It, Rare was Killer Instinct, is what I was thinking of. What was um, Rare Nintendo was Goldeneye. First, yeah, for, well, first party was uh, Star Fox was a first party game. It was okay, Nintendo. okay. I think I thought, Argonaut I that or something like that made, also helped. But and and the, the thing about Star Fox is, I remember it being um, made by Shigeru Miyamoto, which is mm. um, the Mario guy, uh, so which yeah. again that was it's so so people who heard me say rare were like oh god no it's like true blue Nintendo through and through mm-hmm. which which it to- it totally was, yeah. um so yeah Star Fox was it's it's you know it's first three dimensional shooter type things but no that's something about PlayStation and even later especially Xbox uh, they were more PC grounded because they could port PC games yeah I mean th- they uh, were easily. PC hardware basically yeah exactly especially the unlike, xbox yeah unlike the the nintendo stuff which were, were much more i mean it kind of did with the 64 but it was you know um still very proprietary stuff you had to pro their, their software and development kits were very for them and uh they, i mean to this day it's still kind of that way yeah, yeah um but but anyway um that we really got off track track with that there but my thing was with nintendo i i often have that a very skeptical eye to some of the, fav- the I'm getting air quotes favorite games because 
it's one of those things that like a starved man will think bread is the best thing ever made by man. Right. Um, if you don't have a whole lot of stuff, when you get something, you think it's the best thing ever. Right. Sure. Um, so, uh, sometimes that's true. Like Mario Zelda and you know, some people say smash brothers, things like that. Uh, but stack it up against, you know, Uncharted and um, some Halo or something like that. You're going to be like, eh, GoldenEye, you, you know, you're, is it really that good? Especially if you play it today. It was great for the time. Um, no, yeah. I mean, a hundred, I'm, I, I don't dispute that. The, the success of GoldenEye is 100% it being the right place at the right time. And for its market of people, like, I'm sure there were a lot of people who had an N64 who didn't have a gaming PC. And obviously yeah, right, didn't have yeah. another console, like yeah. thought it was great. Like it hit, it hit, uh, it hit mainstream appeal for sure. It, it was definitely back for our history lesson here. Back in the '90s, it was more of a rarity that you would have more than one console. I mean, it's it's still kind of a rarity now, it's but still it, it's rare. even, yeah. and it was even more of a rarity that you had a gaming PC. Even right, uh, yeah. all PCs could play games per se, but still. If you had a PC, for the most part, that's mom or dad's PC, and you yeah, could play on it. Your, your right? dad's PC he did his taxes on was not going to run Quake the way that, the way that a PlayStation would. Yeah, exactly. So, so mostly you had you had one thing, and that was your kind of like your hill to die on, right? You know, yeah, you had was, no choice but to love Sonic because that's all you had. Yeah, and all you the, Genesis. All that stuff got very tribally and and a little bit gatekeepery and it was gross. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's human nature type stuff, right? You you love your thing, you have a good time. It's the only thing you have. It's the only experience you have with it. Nowadays, we can say, well, I own an Xbox, I own a a PlayStation, or I watch videos from all these things and Twitch streams from all these things, and I can do comparative analysis. But there was no comparative analysis. And even when you went to the store and bought a magazine, it was Nintendo magazine that talked about their Nintendo games and how mm-hmm. great they were. Yeah. You know, or the uh, PSM, which was PlayStation magazine, the, how great those things were. They never talked about the other kind of comparison things. And you could get things like the PC magazine. But again, they only talked about play, or PC games type stuff. Right, right. Um, n- now, of course, we have a wonderful information age that we live in. Um, can can have those kind of things, but anyway, but uh, that's how genres have you know or console stuff has been made. Um, that being said, m- moving forward, I, I it's little known un, uh, little unknown thing that um, I have been trying to get a PlayStation for going on a year now, and um, still very actively trying to get a PlayStation Five. Uh, I've got the Twitter the the, the Twitter or the tweets that come up all the time um, uh, that are telling me. Uh, you know, hey, it's on sale in the next hour. Go, you know, get get your browsers ready, which is you know pretty. It's a pretty fantastic uh, um, thing uh, that they have these days uh, that you can go out and you know people are looking at them for you, and you go there and then you get it within the first second. But it's still it's so very hard. It makes me want to you know obviously give up and get a get a Twitch or a Twitch Switch. Um, but those are even difficult to get. I, I hear these this this day and age. Yeah, I mean it's it's like anything between the chips shortage and high demand. I mean some of that stuff's tapering off, I'm sure, but um... but not but honestly not much. It, it it's it's insane that that it is. I mean, I, I we never have lived in a time where you couldn't get a console. Like it's impossible to get a console. Like I'm talking about darn near impossible to get unless you are hyper on it to get a console 
a year after its launch. This this far yeah. into like yeah, we've seen holiday two, shortages two holiday and stuff. Seasons. And yeah, I mean that's yeah. you know again like I said, production and chip shortages, and then you know last year's increase in demand. Right, people are home and all the time and are like, oh well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have considered getting a video game console before, but now I'm home all day and I'm like, boy, it'd be nice if I could, you know, play a little whatever on my lunch break or something. So. Yeah. And, and it would, it would be nice if some of that could die down over time, but it's, it's just, it's, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sad and, and upset about it from a, from a person who wants it. Obviously it's right, hard, right, right. hard not to separate that. But, um, the, the other side of that too is, um, people just can't get the consoles. Like it, you want to say like, oh, PlayStation, play this on a PlayStation, play Star Fox, play Metroid, play Metroid Prime, play whatever it is, right? But if you just physically cannot get the thing, not because you don't have enough money or you don't have enough, I mean, I guess you could have enough money to get anything. Uh, but, you know, it's because of availability, that sucks that you just can't play games because mm-hmm. you just can't get the, the the thing to play them on. And what happens? Do you, do they go five, six years into a console life, life cycle where they finally can get people and have it on a shelf in any store. Like that's, that's sad. That's a sad thing that we would, you know, that you have to be a, a one percenter to buy a thousand, thousand two hundred dollar console. Mm. Um, so to the, it also makes you think that if that's the way it continues, that the, the, the PlayStation six that comes out, will start launch at that so that the company itself can make that money. Right. Yeah, maybe. Which, which is, I mean, you know, I mean that that's only true if if everybody is willing to pay that. Like you're you're not, and neither of our two friends who have gotten PlayStation Fives already are either. Like I think they paid pretty close to retail. Um, yeah, you know, there's a whole market market thing there. But yeah, yeah. and anyway, I had sad. a good time with Fox and his family last <laughs> weekend. <laughs> we we moved off of there in the plane there, didn't we? We went way we off. I don't know. Uh, else were we boy, I'm way over on our on our spreadsheet here looking for the, for the topics <laughs> where, you, where we, you were well, talking I, about I our, say, old, our old things um well i, I will say that like yeah, a couple things they did this last weekend i this last week i, I lock and key season two came out on netflix that's mm. a show that sydney had watched and i had watched both of them we really enjoyed it it's a uh i would say teen centered uh goosebumps you know, I'm talking about Goosebumps. Okay, Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or uh, but but that's like more an anthology series. This is a, a series series, and and I'd say 15, 16, 17 year old type show centered. Around yeah, this, I think you, know. you told me about it before, and I was like, yeah, that doesn't look like it's quite for me. Yeah, yeah, and and it's fun. It's got it's got some stuff. It's got some tropes. You know, um, mm-hmm. oh, there's there's a person comes on the screen, and you're immediately like, oh, there's the there's the love interest, right? You know, as soon as right, they walk right, in the door, right? right? Um, so, but that's, that's fun, especially watching with someone who's in that, that, that genre age, um, eat, eats that up. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I can see it and, and I enjoy it and have a good time with her too. She, you know, like we'll come in and I'll do the, there's a love interest. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure you know, mm-hmm. that, that's, they, they, she was just talking about how she's lonely. And now all of a sudden here comes this new character on the screen. Who's a handsome guy, right. uh, you know, c- c- clearly, more screen time all of a sudden and the camera's focusing on this guy more than anybody else. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, but you know, it's, it's got a mystery type thing to it with in magic and stuff. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, 
So we, we started watching that one, uh, and we played some D&D this week, which was um, our, our second, we're playing one adventure, so it's our second session. Oh, yeah, yeah, adventure. yeah. More, more, uh, uh, more dungeon crawly this time than, than role play, uh, which, was, which was fine and fun. Um, it's, it's enjoyable to have two players out of four that are um, relatively new players mm. to, to the, the genre, okay. to tabletop role playing. Um, it's, it's very fun. We've got two who are pretty good vet vets of the, the genre with Pat and Chris. Right. Right. Um, so we have some, uh, how do I say it's, it's, I don't want to say early mistakes cause there's not no mistakes. It's everything's, you know, happy opportunities as somebody would say. Um, when you have somebody do something that they're, they're not sure that, Oh, I shouldn't do that. Like, uh, split the party is a classic mm-hmm. example. Right? Sure, sure. It's yeah. why there are memes about these things. Cause everyone does that. Right. Everyone goes through the trial by fire of doing things um, or charging into a room. At, uh, you know, one, one of our people just charges into a room because they're impatient or something, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a reason we don't do that. Or I just open doors without looking at them uh, because they, they're, they're new. And that's always fun, right? It's, it is, it's, it's fun because it adds color and, uh, you know, it takes these people who are um, old player, old, you know, veterans of the, the genre and gets them, shakes them up a bit, right. Get, makes mm-hmm. them do different stuff and think a different way and, and have a good, good fun time. So it, it, it's been really fun and I, and I'm really enjoying playing with that, that mix of, of experience levels um, for a couple of times and just having, just having a really good time with it um, overall. And, and we, uh, um, the, the interplay between the, the two people, I, I love one of our, our vets and the thing, by the way, uh, the people who are playing for this don't know, but know this show. Uh, Captain Chris is playing our friend Pat, uh, Justin, our friend of the show, and, and my daughter Sydney. Sydney, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, so and then myself uh, DMing. The uh, you have someone who will be like, uh, next time let me let me go look at the look at the door before you do that, right? Like, oh, I know now because I just took twenty points of damage from you know bashing into a wall or some mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Um, which, which is great. Um, but then, then the, um, which also great is when the vets do say like, Oh, I'm going to, I should do this. And then they fail like a roll of natural one. And then everybody makes fun of them because that was lame and they failed anyway. You know, so D and D is really fun and these kind of things. And it makes me remember always why I love D and D and tabletop or I shouldn't say D and D, but tabletop role-playing games, uh, in person type stuff that you, you can't do in a con- computer role playing game, you know, right. just doing right. stuff on the fly. And it's so much, it's, it's so much fun. I even talk about it now. I just really have a, a great <laughs> fun, fun, fun memories of us doing, it. we play for like four hours and, uh, and then move on and have a good time. And we'll finish this adventure out in another session or two at most, you know, it, the worst thing, Dennis, I have, I have always had, I've been playing this, this genre for, 25 years now 20 years now 20 years is that right, 20 right, no, yeah. actually 30 years oh my gosh 15 so 30 years um i've been playing this genre for 30 years and that one question i still can't answer is how much time do we have left or how much more do we have left mm. how long will this take yeah like, i know when we did when we did star trek that was always uh kind of the same thing like i would i would do notes I would do notes to a certain point, and then then I'd look at the time. And because we played online, we didn't play as long. We would start late, and it would take forever for people to get their their microphones worked out and whatever, because we were sort of producing a podcast. And so we'd really, 
well, not sort of, we definitely were producing a podcast as we played. And so we would record longer, like, than we record this show, The Front Porch. Um, mm-hmm. Although, not necessarily. And if you listened to the podcast, Klingon, Klingons and Dragons, I would cut up you know, one play session into multiple episodes because I don't like listening to those D&D podcasts that are three and four hours long. I'm like, who has that kind of time to sit and listen to a podcast? <laughs> like, that's not, uh, you know, unless you're like, have it on while you're working or something, which I guess people do, but uh, I yeah, don't. And so I'm sure. like, yeah, this this seems like a good a good time frame to me. But we would get to a point and I'm like, well, how do you guys, how are you feeling? Can we, do we want to, you know, go? We've got about, I've got about this much left and we've still got to, you, you got to go down to the planet and do this thing. So do you guys want to call it now? Or yeah, it's the, the constant like dance with that. Yeah. And, and, and you don't, when we play, I always, I almost invariably have when we, when we start an adventure or when we uh, are ending an adventure or even think about playing an adventure, people will say, well, well how long do you think it'll take? Like I, I honestly have, no clue because I will like when I, the first day when we played this adventure for, as a, just an example, uh, prepared it all. I know all of yeah. it. I've researched and yeah. studied all of the things. And I listened to two, three podcasts about how to do co- some core mechanics of hiding and to brush up on stuff. So that I was ready. And so I like maybe it if you all be done in day one, like right? you, if you have, I'm sure that like somebody like Matt Mercer can, has a good sense for how much he's prepared versus how much playtime and or content that's going to create. But unless you have a lot of experience running it and playing it with the exact group of players and have a really good sense of what they're going to do and what, how long it's going to take. Like if you have brand new players or, or new to each other players, you just don't know. Like you never know when, like you're going to have a whole thing prepared and they're like, no, I want to go. I want to go talk to the innkeeper about um, setting up a supply line for my favorite brand of wine. And you're like, okay, well, like you don't want to tell your players no, right? Like that's the whole thing. Well, you, you like, know, like sometimes, think... sometimes you can. Obviously, I'm making a really ridiculous example. No, there, but like... yeah, yeah, no. I, I mean, you, you mentioned like a Matt Mercer. I, I think that, uh, uh, and and not besmirching anything, he does great work there, but is some depends on how you run it. Right. I guess, I guess that's true too. I just had to, had to think of, of that comparatively. I, I run more, um, free form where, and I mean free form, but that I let the players guide what happens next, where they go type right. stuff. Right. That's, that's where, why where I use that form, ridiculous wine example. Like you don't yeah. know what your players are going to engage with and what they're going to spend time on. And yes, you can, you can kind of encourage them along, but if they're really getting into something, you don't want to be a wet blanket on that. Or, you know, they might, uh, uh, like, breeze through something or get stuck on a puzzle. There are just too many variables that you can't uh, Yeah, you can't and, 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 I, and I have a feeling like those, those highly produced shows, beyond editing a whole lot, also are, are a little railroady, I guess, more, where the, the DM sure, intentionally moves you along. And his goal, some people say that is the goal of the DM, to, to push people forward in the story that's being told. Um, right. And, and I, I, the way I've always played D and had my experience with D and D that I love and think everybody else loves that I play with is that the, the story that's being told is being created, not the one that I made up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I um, think so. Yeah. I think critical role is probably somewhere in the middle. Like, I don't think, you know, whatever, I don't know. I haven't listened to a lot of it because it's so, it's so different from every kind of role playing that I've done because he's got a, a, 
you know a group of players who are all professional actors like they're approaching yeah, it so yeah. differently from how quote unquote normal people play D D. but that's why i use it as an example like for a group like that yeah you can probably plan for stuff but for a, a normal average group especially with new players who knows all bets are off yeah and and, and especially with editing you can just cut out those of course, segments that, of they, course. that they continued too long on to just act you know um or or even but also if the they're one... working like if they're if like the people playing quote unquote playing the critical role game like they're working they can't they have to have a pretty a pretty set schedule um yeah even even yeah. before all the editing is done but or, or the or like the, conversely there's the Harmon's quest which is i think people who like generally never play or rarely ever play and just are just having a fun time doing bits right yeah so since it's, that's it's, it's, it's that never... one's almost it's almost more like pure improv because the the dm is not just railroading but like doing all the dice rolling and all of the the admin of the game for them that's that also is it's entertaining to watch but it's very different from how normal people play dnd yeah so so on that on that one the dm literally is giving the story and they're just adding all the paint and and you yeah. can edit i'm sure they can just edit the crud out of that because okay this bit wasn't as funny as that bit wasn't as funny. well they're Which adding in all that animation like it's it's very oh, it's very sure. produced but that's part of yeah. part of yeah. the beauty and the and the the fun of dungeons and dragons or or any any myriad of of tabletop role-playing systems is that you can adapt it to whatever you and your group like to do uh, yeah uh, i love it i i love it sure. i absolutely love that and and how how it's different and those those different stories that i mean just i get a little giddy after playing <laughs> sessions like this to, yeah, because yeah. because it is it is you know completely unexpected every time even if it's not it, even if it's typical you know everyone having their own smiles and their own moments and and such whatever it might be i as a dm and not necessarily a player i think as a player you're you're more narrowly focused and you're more sure. tunnel vision with stuff but as a dm yeah. you get to get to participate and see every single person's moment throughout the time and um kind of uh, you know they tell you it's their it's they're having their moment through you you're like that the, the conduit right like i want to play my my bard loot and do this thing and they tell you that right granted everybody's yeah. listening but they tell you that and then everybody else says well i'm going to run up and use my mage hand to do this cool thing they're telling you that right so it's kind of mm -hmm. like these players are telling the story to me which i love as a dm it's just that is that is one of my favorite things about being a dm is that i get to participate in all of the cool things that happen in the whole session mm. right uh, yeah. Even if it's just saying, yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, cool. Or whatever, like there <laughs> it's through me uh, as opposed to when I've been a player, I'm just occasionally engaged or even when I'm playing like Klingons and dragons, right? Like, well, if it's my turn or if I'm up or I'm there or whatever, then it's, then I am engaged. Um, yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a sort of strange thing for me. Cause I know that some people approach DMing as a little adversarial and, and you know, and some of the players feel that way too. It's like, Oh, you're just letting him do whatever he wants. But like, if somebody has an idea and, you know, they have, they have like half of a cool idea and I'm like, well, what like, it seems cool to me. And I mean, I'm calling it a cool idea. So of course I think it's cool. And I'm like, all right, well, what if like, you've got that part. So you're saying you want to take the shuttle and you want to do like, there's some, you know, uh, uh, Trek, you know, domain knowledge or whatever, and I am sort of helping them, but I, 
I have a story that I want to get through. So like you, the players, the characters solving a problem is in aid of that goal of the story moving forward because, you know, they were pre-scripted stories, but it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's fun to, to be a part of that and, and kind of, uh, yeah, be, be, be that, be that, I don't say, it's, it's, they always say DM is storytelling, a storyteller, but that's true. But but I also it's, like being the the person being told the story. Yeah, it's almost more like it's more like a story like administrator or facilitator, which sounds much more boring, but is is in some ways more fun. Like if you're just gonna if if you're just gonna tell a story, you don't need a game framework to do that. Like you could just yeah. type it up and post it on on uh, on fanfiction.net or whatever. Like you don't need players. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's um and and. As a, a DM, GM, whatever you you get to, uh, like I said, be, I, I can talk about my sessions forever that I've played in because I participated in all those all those moments, right? Um, which was or or even encourage them. I like that's one thing I love doing about it as a DM is encouraging them more, encouraging the mm. crazy people who do things that are going to cause problems. <laughs> using air quotes, sure. cause problems or disrupt the 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 flow of the game. So when a player wants to bash through a door. And he's going to take twenty points of damage. I love that that happens. You know that. It, um, yeah, I mean, you want it. You want it to be memorable. It's like um, it's like people say that about weddings. Like a wedding where nothing goes wrong is the most boring wedding. Like you're not going to remember that wedding at all. Like yeah, you remember you know that time Pat made us all Cylons in that game. Yeah right. Yeah Ex- yeah that's that's our our favorite uh, time of that or example of that. So yeah. All right, it, man. I think it we're, was DD was fun. We're running long here, so oh my goodness! It's just, here we go again with our conversations, just talking and, and got on it. a got on a random random D and D topic. Oh, oh my goodness! Okay, all right. Cool. So well, next, well, next next week, week uh, enemy mine, and uh, be good. You got, got more all to talk right. about, Dennis. I have more things to talk about, Dennis. Fine. Well, we'll we'll do this again next week, and and you can we do it every week. You promise we'll do we'll do this again? Okay, fine. Well, if, if yeah, you yeah. say we'll, we'll meet next week and talk about this. Fine. I mean, I mean, you're going to run D and D again, right? So we can we can talk about at some D&D at some point again, we will again in a couple right. weeks. Cool. All man. right, you've been listening to the Front Porches episode 219. Special thanks to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Uh, if you want movie reviews and uh, our buddy Fox does board games and all manner of things on on LRM Online, you should check it out. If you want to reach out to us via email and let us know some movies or TV shows or whatever that we should watch and discuss. You can do that. Our address is frontporchpod, all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use contact forms there or comment boxes on the episodes. Those are cool. If you enjoy The Front Porch, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, we always appreciate that. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Thank you.